the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And we have a ton to cover. In a few moments, we'll talk with John Schlafly. The Schlafly Report, of course, publishes on uh, late Tuesday night over at townhall.com, our sister site, as well as archived at phyllisschlafly.com. So you want to check that out. And Gregory Wrightstone, who has been a man um, on a mission. He's a geologist. And he's been for years now talking about how the uh, the climate change situation has made life worse. Most of it's a hoax and the science behind it. Always a good guest. We'll talk with him in a few moments. Also, but first, we have to get to what you need to know. And if you visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, you can sign up there for the Daily uh, Wink, it's called. The Daily Wink is an email that goes out at 8 a.m. East Coast, 5 a.m. Pacific. It goes out to just under 60,000 folks. And you get the email. And you get a few things, a few stories you should read. A few things you should think about and then what you need to know. What exactly? What's the what's the key thing you need to know? And we cover that also on the segment right now. So let's get right to it. Again, ProAmericaReport.com to sign up for that. You can also listen to these segments over there. Um, okay. Uh, here's a, here, here's what I want to tell you. I, I got a lot big response last earlier in the week when I spoke about the fact that Republicans, if they get power, have to do something with it. They actually have to lead and they cannot just go in and do the same things they've done before. And lots of folks responded on key issues. They talked about life issues. We felt like we've been betrayed by a guy named Paul Ryan, who as speaker did not get uh, Planned Parenthood defunded or abortion banned in any meaningful way. So there's lots of that. People emailed me and said, we have to get um, energy independent uh, and we will get to that. That's right. Exactly. We'll get back to that. God willing, if we ever get a president who is, is, uh, is, is, is able to see the value of that. In fact, uh, John and Andy Schlafly's column, which will be the topic of discussion today, includes the reference to the fact that just last week, in response to a lawsuit, a fight in, law, in the courts, Joe Biden's administration's decision was to get rid of any permits for drilling on federal lands, which is a way to do what? Well, to raise the cost of gas and oil and natural gas and all the rest. It's crazy. It's a crazy system. So uh, we'll get to all, well, all those are good ideas. But here's what I want to tell you the first thing that should be done. And, and people are going to say, oh, it's too edgy. It's too edgy. No, it's not too edgy. It's real. It, there should be impeachment, an impeachment inquiry. Speaker of the House, the Republican Speaker of the House should immediately begin an impeachment inquiry over Joe Biden and his conduct with regard to the Ukraine. Now, first, let me say, remember how often it is that the left and the media says, you over there, you conservatives are doing X. And and it turns out they're the ones doing X. Example, the media and the left says, you over there, the Trump, the conservatives, you're, you're the ones that are, are colluding with the foreign power in 2016. Turns out it was Hillary that was doing that. Proven now. Or they, they look over and they say, hey, you over there, you all are racist. When in fact, the racists in this country are on the left. They're tearing the country apart, hyphenation by hyphen, hyphen by hyphen. And you go on and on and on. You pick a topic. Uh, insurrection. Oh, you over there, you're doing an insurrection. Wait a second. You have a Time Magazine article 
in which the powers that be on the Democrat side, the left side, say we fortified the election by massive spending and we did everything we could to change the laws, to stretch the laws, to change how it worked. We promise we did nothing illegal. That's what they say. But they accuse, they accuse the, the, the right, they accuse conservatives, they accuse Republicans. Another one is, uh, is the uh, use of, uh, of, of technology to hack into things. They say, oh, yeah, no, you, you're, you guys are, you've got people that are, uh, that are um, uh, hacking into a Russian bank, the Trump campaign. Turns out that it was the Democrats, the left, that was tapping into the Trump campaign and the, maybe the Trump White House. Over and over it happens. So, for example, here's one. Donald Trump was impeached over a phone call with Ukraine. How's that? I mean, it turns out to be, it was total fraud, right? It's a total fraud in every level. It was just a political exercise. But here's what we have. We have President Joe Biden, who is completely compromised regarding the Ukraine. His son is currently under investigation. That came out in the last few days. There's a grand jury in Delaware that has been impaneled to investigate Hunter Biden. And they're calling his his, uh, paramour, who had a child with, has a child with him, uh, reputedly, I think he's never, I think she actually got a DNA test and it is his child, but he's never admitted it in public. Quite a guy. But my point here is the president of the United States has a conflict that's so significant, his son, and is all about what? Money and energy and Ukraine's position in the world. So think about this. In 2014, Crimea, part of the Ukraine, is annexed by Russia Obama says, yeah, well, we're not going to do much about that. We, we, we don't think it's in our interest to worry about that. That's Russia's deal. We'll let them go. That's what Biden's position was. Then Biden goes over and he pre- pressures the prosecutor, pressures them to fire a prosecutor who's in, they think is investigating uh, the Ukrainian uh, oil and gas companies around Hunter. And it happens. The prosecutor's fired. And meanwhile, Hunter Biden is selling himself as an expert on oil and gas and energy in the Ukraine. And other parts of the world, by the way, China, it looks like. But more importantly, it would be one thing if all that was in the past. But when the Hunter Biden laptop came out and the, and the, the nation was told by 55 former members of the intelligence community who signed a letter saying this is not a real laptop. This is Russian disinformation. And when all the commentators said this is a dirty tricks at the end of the campaign and everybody said and they shut it down. Big tech, big media, the narrative machine shut down the Hunter Biden laptop. Then we found out it was his laptop. Then we found out there was lots of stuff in there. Now we find out there is an investigation by the federal government. There is a federal grand jury. So there's a conflict of interest. How is that not disclosed by Joe Biden? How is it not known? How is the media not covering that fact to say, what are we hearing about the Ukraine? What is the story we're getting from Joe Biden? Can we trust him? Because at this point, I don't, as I've said before, I don't distrust people automatically. But I don't trust them, meaning I'm not saying that Joe Biden's lying. I'm saying I just don't know if I can trust that he's telling us the whole truth. And what is it that would be happening in this country? How would we be receiving information if the top guy was compromised because of his relationship, his son's relationship to the Ukraine, in this case, the Ukraine? And just do the old exercise. Imagine if it was Donald Trump as president and Don Jr., or Eric Trump, or Ivanka, or Jared Kushner, was doing deals in foreign countries like this. 
Now, I don't know, again, what's happened. I do know that there's now a credible reporting that there's a federal grand jury and a federal investigation into Hunter Biden about his money and his spending and his taxes, which relates to the, the money that he was making, massive amounts from the Ukraine and others. So it's all tied in. You don't think that the Ukrainians... And now the Ukrainian government doesn't know exactly what Hunter Biden was up to. You don't think that that guy who has had a lot of indiscretions didn't have indiscretions in Ukraine. It certainly looks like it. But again, how do we not know? What's the conflict? And here's what here's my point. When we get a new Republican House, there must be an impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and the Ukraine. And, and it may lead to not may lead to no impeachment. It may be that we find out all the facts and it turns out it's just a dad with his son and his son's carrying on. But if we find out that it's a dad with his son and his son's carrying on in such a way that it compromised or changed the behavior of the president, we ought to know that because that would be where the political solution of impeachment should be used. So my call right now is that based on the facts that we are being led by Joe Biden in a way that at least feels uneven, if not unsteady, We're being led by Joe Biden in a way that at least feels uneven, if not unsteady. We're being led towards, I don't know, war, towards conflict, towards uh, uh, major world issues. And And there's a conflict of interest as big as the Washington Monument, right facing America. And nobody's addressing it. There ought to be a segment on CNN every hour. There ought to be Fox News doing it every day, every hour. What is it that we know about Hunter Biden and the investigation? And again, frankly, it's a political problem. It's not necessarily a legal problem. It could be that the legal problem will play out and we'll find out that Hunter Biden cheated on his taxes. But if he cheated on his taxes regarding the Ukraine or if he cheated on his taxes in a way that he's hiding and his dad is hiding too, which is what people suspect, it's a political problem. And the the, the nation deserves an executive a chief executive who will address that, a president who will say, here's what's going on. I've done this to make sure that there's not that. And if he hasn't, meaning, meaning by the way, uh, cordoned off some of this so that he's not influencing it, you don't think that the Attorney General Merrick Garland and his uh, number two, Lisa Monaco, who's a you know political insider of the Obama administration, isn't paying attention to all this stuff and putting pressure where they have to? So we don't know any of that. It's just plain wrong. And the Republicans, when they win the House... They should begin impeachment inquiries immediately on January 4th. They get sworn in on January 3rd and the Speaker of the House, I personally hope it's Speaker Trump, should call for impeachment inquiry and they should spend three months bringing everybody before the the the, uh, the, the panel, probably the Judiciary Committee is the way it goes and get to the bottom of it. And when they get to the bottom of it, hopefully, please God, we haven't been in a war or been in a, in a, in a way that's damaged our country dramatically, but we get to the bottom of it. Until then, it's impossible to know who to trust? Impossible. Not because of me, not because of my feelings, but because of the ongoing federal investigation of Hunter Biden. Think about that. It's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. We got to get to the bottom of it. So there you have it. All right. That's what you need to know. It's time for the impeachment inquiry of Joe Biden based on Hunter Biden and his indiscretions with regard to world order and the Ukraine. We'll see if the Republicans do it. We'll take a break, everybody. I'll be right back. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. Get everything you need there, uh, and we will be back. Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. (laughs) 
Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. It's time to catch up with John Schlafly. John Schlafly, of course, is the uh, co-author with his brother Andy of the Schlafly Report, uh, and it runs over townhall.com each uh, Tuesday evening and available at phyllisschlafly.com. Also, this week's column, NATO has run out of gas. NATO has run out of gas. I don't know, perfectly timed, pretty close to perfectly timed in the situation with all that's happening over in uh, the Ukraine. So welcome back, John. How are you? Uh, Good, Ed. Thank you. Uh, first, John, an observation. Again, you're, you've are you been involved in policy, conservative policy, conservative politics for a long, long time. Um, have you ever seen the appetite for uh, foreign intervention less than it is now? Um, well, I don't know, Ed. Um, you know, I think the, the American people are unsettled and they don't really know what to make of the situation in the Ukraine. Um, you know, but that's all tied in, I think, with the effect on energy prices that we're all suffering in the United States. And that's, I think, the big issue. Of course, Biden, you know, he's spent a year since he's been president in stopping and suppressing our domestic oil and gas production. And all of this is coming to a head just as, in effect, Russia's production is being taken off the market due to this war. Mm-hmm. Uh, John, we're going to talk John Schlafly's column and starts to go through this. Um, how come nobody really understood? Is it the kind of thing that you can't understand because it's kind of like the air around you? Uh, nobody really, I don't think, understood as a matter of politics how great the advantage was to have energy independence that Trump pulled off. In other words, you just didn't realize that everything was cheaper. Everything worked better. Everybody wanted to mess with us less because we didn't have to go to them to get oil when Trump was president. I don't think people really appreciated it. I think you're right about that. Um, Unless you're in one of the oil producing parts of the country, like Texas and Louisiana. Uh, So, and the thing just last week, just, you know, just immediately prior to the breakout of hostilities in the Ukraine, you know, the Trump administration announced that they're suspending all oil and glass leasing on federal lands and federal lands are, you know, one third of the United States. And uh, that's where much of our oil and gas comes from. And, you know, that was, that was just an outrageous, but, but it's all part of the plan really to suppress and eventually eliminate the production and use of hydrocarbons or petroleum or what some people like to call fossil fuels, uh, uh, which is what we need to run our country on. We're talking with John Schlafly. He's referring to his column. And in the column down uh, uh, halfway down, um, the Biden administration responded to a quarter suspending all new permits and leases for oil and gas drilling on all federal lands. And here's the sentence I want to ask you about, John. As the federal government owns nearly half of all the land in 11 energy rich Western states, Biden's moratorium on drilling essentially halts new energy production. Why, why do we have a government that owns half the land in all these states? I mean, isn't this a if you, if you were coming out of the Soviet Union, one of the things that they praised Putin about was that he actually allowed the pro, the sale of the lands that had otherwise been held by the government. Why don't we have I mean, I mean it, 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 did we were we just not paying attention when the government basically acquired half of all the land in the key places? Well, no, Ed, this is the in the 19th century when this started, I guess, with the Louisiana Purchase in 1803. You know, that acquired a vast territory. The United States purchased 
that vast territory for $15 million. And then we acquired another vast territory from Mexico for the purchase of an, for paying another, you know, 25 or $30 million to Mexico. So, you know, the United States government purchased the most of the Western part of the United States. And, uh, and then it opened it up to uh, settlement. And, but the public lands are the lands that were retained by the U.S. government that didn't go into private property. So that's kind of the, I believe, a capsule history of it. So, there, you know, it's history there. But, the, you know, the, the federal government then controls or governs. There's a provision in the Constitution that says the United States government or Congress has the power to govern public lands that are owned by the United States. We're so talking about there, the- there's, a, there's a long history there. It didn't just happen, but of course, in the 19th century, the mindset was that this is available for Americans to use and to exploit and to explore and to settle and to produce minerals from. Now, but in the 20th century and more recently, the environmentalists have captured the government and they basically said, no, it all ought to be locked up and prevented. And the Americans should be prevented from producing energy, minerals, uh, timber, uh, you know, ranching and other resources on the public land. It all ought to be locked away forever for the benefit of the animals. And that's the environmentalist mindset that we have to fight. Uh, we're talking with John Schlafly. And John, um, in your column, you refer to uh, the um, the states that are affected and the leadership in those states. Is it too is it too simple to say that the states that are affected don't have enough political oomph? I mean, if it was New York State that really cared, I mean, I guess New upstate New York does some fracking. But in terms of the uh, the landmass, it's it's states that they can just uh, ignore. I mean, I, I don't quite understand why. Uh, there's not even from Democrats to just want to survive their election uh, in the fed, the federal level, that there's not more of an outcry. Well, New York and of course, there's, you know, that's state controlled land. But uh, Andrew Cuomo was able to prevent any fracking during his entire uh, period as governor, unfortunately. And New Yorkers are the losers. Of course, people are leaving New York as a result. But Louisiana, which is very much attuned to the energy energy and offshore exploration, you know, a federal judge there appointed by Trump told the government that they cannot, there's no authority for calculating the social cost of carbon in order to prevent oil leasing. So he ordered the government to uh, uh, quit using that bogus theory uh, to restrict oil and gas drilling on public lands on and offshore in Louisiana. So the Trump administration in response to that said, fine, we'll just suspend all oil and gas leasing all over the country. And that's what they did just last week, just before war broke out in between Ukraine and Russia. And uh, so that's, that's why the oil prices are going through the roof now. Well, and so it would it be fair to say, John, would it be your assessment? I know neither you nor I as an expert on energy, um, uh, but that. The actions taken in the last, even just the last week, will probably have maybe not as big an effect, but have an add-on effect to any shortage of energy. And so, let me shift to that for a second. Um, we now have Europe is going to decide to cut off one of the major energy sources, which is Russia, right? So, where are we headed to an even more insane market, right, with insane prices? 
Yes, insane. And I just saw a tweet from Medvedev. He was the member Medvedev. He was the person who was president of Russia in between Putin's two separate terms. And he said, well, OK, so Germany's cut off the, you know, cut off. They, they've canceled the Nord Stream pipelines. Well, guess what? Europe is now going to pay. And he gave the price for gas in Europe, which is about 10 times the price of what Americans pay for natural gas to heat our homes in the winter. But wow. our prices are going up, too. And and the price here in the Middle West has about doubled. It's still a, a fraction of what Europeans pay. But all these prices are going up, up, up as we are trying to get through a cold winter in the Middle West with the polar vortex or whatever it is we're having this week in the Middle West. Yeah. Uh, John Schlafly, the title was of, the, of a column. Uh, again, it's at townhall.com and also at phyllisschlafly.com. John and Andy Schlafly do the Schlafly Report. NATO has run out of gas. I, I know the, the title is a, is, a, is a sort of play on words here, too. Um, NATO, wasn't NATO supposed to be a sufficient uh, political and military block that it could, I don't know, uh, have an influence on things. It seems like NATO has failed pretty dramatically in the last couple of weeks. Well, it was mission creep. Uh, I mean, this is not just the last couple of weeks, Ed. It's been going on for 20, 25 years when after the fall of the Soviet Union, NATO really should have disbanded. Its whole purpose was completed and fulfilled. It should have gone out of business. Instead, it decided to create a new mission and to move eastward. And so they've added about over 20 new countries going all the way up to the borders of Russia with Lithuania, Latvia and Estonia. And now we're talking about Ukraine, which, uh, you know, the United States policy is that Ukraine should be allowed to enter NATO as soon as they decide on their own to do so. Now, Putin has said no, he's not going to permit that to happen, and we, I think the United States should accept that. Ukraine has no business in NATO, either as a member or, as Biden calls it, a partner of NATO. You know, Ukraine is kind of on a stepping stone to become a member, so it's being called a partner of NATO, and therefore it's being treated as if it really is a member, and therefore the United States is obligated to protect its eastern borders against Russia. I do. First of all, the United States doesn't have the power to do that, nor is it really our business to do that, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, John, uh, for a second on Ukraine, why is what's happening now not the same thing as happened with Crimea? And by that, I mean, Obama didn't have any answer to uh, to the argument and to the actions uh, that the Russians took to say, we think Crimea is part of our uh, nation and we're not going to sit around and let, uh, you know, the EU and others tell us it's not. Why isn't the same thing playing out? I mean, it, pretty clearly it is, isn't it? And, and we're going to have a, a hand wringing by Biden like there sort of was with Obama, except Obama at least used to say out loud, uh, I don't think we have a national interest there, so we're not going to fight a war over it. He sort of, I think, was more of the position that most of America is right now, which is uh, it doesn't seem like our fight. Why don't we end up with the same thing or you think we do? Well, it is it is very similar. Uh, I mean, of course, you can you can draw some different distinctions between Crimea versus the Donbass. Uh, but, you know, in the broader sense, they are both areas that ended up in Ukraine after the fall of the Soviet Union, which Russia believes are militarily 
and culturally important to Russia and right. that they should not be part of the West. They should not be part of NATO. They should not be part of the European Union. And because Russia sees that with some justification, I think, as a threat to it. And uh, there's also a religious thing, too, Ed. I mean, Putin is very, very committed to the Russian Orthodox Church. And he, you know, so in addition to uh, NATO and the European Union, he's concerned about the division within the Ukraine between the Christians who are Orthodox versus the Christians who are uh, adhere to the Roman Catholic Church. Hmm. And uh, people don't talk that much about it, but that means an awful lot to Putin. Hmm. And we, I think we need to be sensitive about that. Yeah, you should write on that, John. That's a, I don't think you're I think you're right. I don't think there's been much coverage of that. That's an interesting point, too. And a, a part of the whole Russian nation has been this. Um, and, and Putin has been uh, public about that. His uh, um, his public pronouncements, his public relationship with the church. Uh, you know, I think he's criticized as being a, a public um pronouncements of convenience but it looks like more uh, from what i see all right john i gotta run unfortunately out of time john schlafly his column this week nato has run out of gas check it out over at phyllis schlafly.com and uh, we will take a quick break everybody and be right back it's ed martin here on the pro america report Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to catch up with our old friend, Gregory Wrightstone. And Gregory Wrightstone is a geologist, which is why it's so interesting. He's what we call a scientist, somebody who understands science. And he is also now the executive director of the CO2 Coalition, CO2Coalition.org, CO2Coalition.org. And he is uh, a great communicator on the issues surrounding so-called climate change and the climate change hoax, the hysteria that's presented and all the rest. Uh, Gregory, welcome back to the program. How are you? Oh, really good. And when we talk about climate change, it's always something. And it seems like it's always, it's always something bad that they're telling us. That's uh, right. It's always, it's, doom. <laughs> it's always it's my, doom and gloom. Yeah. 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 It's my job to dispute and give the facts, the science and the data for you and your listeners. Well, and it's funny, Gregory, I was going to ask you this part first. You've been talking about things, your book, Inconvenient Truth. Uh, you've been talking about how the American public and the world public has been misled by people saying, let me tell you the science. It is this. And you're saying, wait a second. I know science, too. You're not including that. You're not including this over here. You're not including these numbers. You're, you're not. And now after the uh, pandemic, I think more Americans, more people in the world are willing to look up and say, just because you say you're a scientist doesn't mean I'm going to listen to you. Right. I mean, I think they've I think you were ahead of the curve on poking sort of the the uh, balloon of, of, oh, yeah, you have to believe me. On the other hand, Gregory, um, has there ever been a, an effort to silence alternative voices like we're seeing now? And I think you would be one of them, right? They probably would want to deplatform and to uh, throttle back uh, any voice that doesn't agree with what they want. That's a great, great segue into what we needed to talk about here, because just yesterday we were censored. The CO2 coalition was censored once again. Uh, Our new social media manager uh, established an Instagram page for us, which we never had, Um, set it up, went to log in. And Instagram told us, told her uh, that we had violated their terms and conditions of services and were banned, were, were shut out. We hadn't even posted anything yet, Ed. 
We had yet to post one thing on Instagram and we had already violated their terms of services. Now, Instagram's managed or owned, I guess, by Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg. So, but it's just crazy. And I was, I've, I was banned and deplatformed on LinkedIn permanently. I'm gone. And, and it was because I was posting factually correct information about climate change that didn't tow the company line of man-made catastrophic warming. And you got almost, you got to laugh because the, the very last post that I made, I said, and I predicted, I think I'm about to be banned and deplatformed by LinkedIn. They <laughs> it. it gets better. It gets better. So they removed it, called it false and misleading, and then banned and deplatformed me. And <laughs> uh, well, it's good you have a sense of humor, and I, and part of that is I think your you strength. Is, yeah, no, you can't. You can't make this stuff. Well. Uh, but yeah, but yeah. but Gregory, but back for one second to the what you described from this week. Um, and, and again, the, the, the CO2 coalition, if you go to CO2coalition.org, you can see lots of information, lots of things going on. And Gregory Wrightstone is there. You get in touch with the experts that, he, you know, him and others. Um, what is the what is the social media, your social media staffer's best guess at why you got knocked off Instagram before you posted? Uh, because we are who we are. Our reputation preceded us. We're uh, we're getting b- better and better known. We have more than eighty of the top scientists in the world. These are just world renowned scientists, physicists, engineers, ec- energy experts. Dr. Will Will Happer, Dick Richard Lindzen, uh, the f- co-founder of Greenpeace, Dr. Patrick Moore, who's a, would be a great interview subject for you, Ed. Yeah, I've and, had him. I've had him on. He is great. Yeah. You're right. So he was he was former chair. We've got just a litany, a whole litany of of just extremely and wildly intelligent uh, men and women that dispute this notion of catastrophic man-made warming. And we get it out and we speak the truth and we're unapologetic and we take the heat from it. And I mean, we just last year we had a, a two letters were written. One was from Elizabeth Warren. Four centered, or I, I don't recall. Elizabeth Warren was one of them. There was another then letter demanding that Facebook deplatformist, written by Tom Steyer, Stacey Abrams, and leaders of fifteen environmental groups, because we were we were promoting science mis- or climate change misinformation. No, no, just the opposite. We're 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 refuting the misinformation with science, facts, and data. And just uh, Ed, the most recent example was uh, a World Meteorological Organization report that came out a few weeks ago that, that stated flatly that uh, natural disasters had increased fivefold since 1970. Well, we went back and looked at that. And the period from 1970 to the year 2000, were natural disaster reported natural disasters were increasing, but that's because they were just building out the system and they were adding more nations and more regions and more stations. So it wasn't a matter that they were actually increasing it was they more and more were being reported. And then the natural from 2000 on when they built the entire platform out from 2000 to today, natural disasters have been in a significant decline, not the increase. <laughs> and we just point, we point this, this just, false data they manipulate the data abuse the data and then use statistical shenanigans to make it look uh, they make red look blue and uh, yeah well we're, we're talking again with gregory wrightstone executive director at the co2 coalition uh co2 coalition.org and um um gregory 
in your book, Inconvenient Truth, you wrote about a lot of these things, but it changes pretty quickly in terms of the uh, of the uh, what is out there and what they say. Um, what what's the number? What would you say is the number one, or maybe you could do top two or something? Um, kind of uh, data points that the other side presents that is effective at confusing people. Is it something like uh, the climate is getting warmer, and therefore people say, "Oh, it must be our fault." As opposed to the cli- the climate's getting warmer, that that there's lots of reasons, and most of them have to do nothing to do with us. Or I mean, what? And and it, it, I know it moves a little bit. Overpopulation. They used to say if we don't change things, the world everybody's going to die, and they're not going to. Well, if you don't, you stop having kids, which is a much bigger, much a much better way to not have uh, population increase. I, so what what's what's out there now that they're doing? I mean, Greta Thunberg, Thunberg, whatever says X or Y. Is there something you're seeing that is effective yeah. at persuading people? Yeah, there is. Um, the book is Inconvenient Facts. Oh, sorry, Inconvenient at Facts. The, Thank you. Sorry, at the risk of correcting the radio host. <laughs> that's, that's but yeah, I, I would say uh, that CO2 is at dangerous levels and getting da- dangerously high. Um, we're actually one of the lowest levels of carbon dioxide in Earth's history at, at 400 plus parts per million. The average throughout Earth's history was 2,600, six and a half times what it is today. And life and plants thrive. Uh, and so that's the big thing is we're actually CO2 impoverished and that more CO2 is better for the ecosystems uh, and humanity for, for that matter. The other big thing might be that uh, additional warming would be catastrophic. Uh, history, going back through human history and temperature history, tells us that's just not true at all. And that civilization, empires and humanity flourished during much warmer periods. And it was the cold periods that were horrific. It was each of the cold periods that were, uh, they were, they were crop failures, famine, pestilence, and mass depopulation were associated with the cold periods and the warm periods were associated with thriving ecosystems and humanity that prospered. That, and, and and are you I, at the risk of asking the guy who's doing this for a living? And Gregory Wrightstone is our guest. He's the executive director uh, of the coalition, uh, the CO2 coalition, CO2coalition.org. Uh, he himself is a geologist, um, worked in the field and an entrepreneur um, at the risk of asking you something. And by the way, let me say inconvenientfacts.xyz is the website for that book. You can buy it there. Inconvenientfacts.xyz. Uh, sorry about messing that up earlier. Um, but is are you succeeding in persuading, are you able to, or do you feel like you're able to get people to stop and take another look? And in some ways, it is the pandemic and the failure of science to be reliable, whether it's mask mandates or others, is that an opportunity for you to say, hey, if you're taking young people or middle-aged people, if you're taking a look at science again, if you're doubting science, look over here, let me explain this. Are you succeeding? I, I think so, and greatly. Uh, we're winning bigly. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I am a huge optimist. What I see when I talk to random people, I'm not talking to uh, just conservatives or Republicans, just random people. People are thirsty for this information uh, about climate change. They've, they've never heard. I, I just before I got here, I was at the CVS pharmacy and started and I had a little crowd of people around me. I started talking to the, the gentleman there and, and I brought I had a couple of books and they were just going, really, really? And I pulled out. My cool smartphone app, Inconvenient Facts, you can download it. Uh, it has a lot of the information. And, and I find this time and time again. I think this belief uh, in man-made catastrophic warming is a mile wide and an inch deep. You scratch the skin a little bit, and people are just 
people, and I just, if we have time, just one other, just an example. Yeah, please, please. In when Ar- I spent a lot of my time in Arlington, and uh, I was at a, a street fair up the street, and there was there were two girls, seniors in high school, selling homemade jewelry, and we we started talking. And again, I pull out my smart, and we start talking about this, and this girl points her finger at me, and she says, "I knew it, I knew it, I knew they were lying to us." And the other girl's going, "Yeah, yeah." And we talked, and 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 she was just <laughs> a random senior in high school. And wow. I, I get stuff like that all the time. Mm. So I, I believe we're winning on this. And, and again, COVID has exposed uh, the experts for what they really are. Uh, that they're, again, abusing scientific process. We see it in both COVID and in the climate change debate. Um, they have a narrative that they need to push. Uh, the narrative with climate change is, is that we have to reduce uh, CO2 emissions, the net COVID narrative, wear a mask and get vaccinated. Um, but Gregory, can I, Gregory, can I interrupt you on the narrative? Uh, I often talk about the narrative machine and I'm running out of time, but um, do you think the people that are pushing the narrative on climate change, are they more about money or more about control? I know there's people that look like they want control, but I often tell people the amount of money that is, is, is steered. I mean, money becomes control, of course, uh, but is it money that's doing this or is it ideological control or both? Well, part of it's fear. Uh, some of the scientists, they, if, they, if they dare to publish uh, any science that disputes this, uh, they, they will lose any chance of funding. They'll have their fund. And we've seen it time and time again. Right. They'll be, they'll be disassociated from the, from their peer groups. Uh, everybody wants to be liked and they don't want to be part. And yeah. if they do this, they'll be pushed out um, and the funding will be cut off. Some hmm. of these people like uh, Dr. Michael Mann from Penn state are just, uh, I, he gets unbelievable amounts of money. That he then pushes out to other other researchers. Mm. So I, I can't see inside men's right. and women's polls and see what their motivation is. Right, 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 right. Yeah, you can't know. All right. All right, I got to run. Gregory Wrightstone, I know your motivation is uh, good, goodness and truth. And uh, and more than anything, you keep a good spirit about it, as you said, when you're talking at CVS or a street fair or CPAC or wherever. Again, it's Gregory Wrightstone. Uh, he is the executive director of the CO2 Coalition, CO2Coalition.org. That's CO, the number two, coalition.org. I'll put it up on social media. Thanks, Gregory. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, Ed. All right, everybody, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, the conservative pro-family broadcast of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a leading voice for the sanctity of life, traditional education, the Constitution, and American sovereignty. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. A new program launched in the state of Arizona is delivering a resounding blow to the teachers' unions while restoring power to parents when it comes to their child's education. The program will give parents up to $7,000 to seek educational alternatives for their child if the child's school closes for even a single day due to COVID lockdowns. The program didn't come a moment too soon as teachers' unions are rising up to demand schools shut their doors again, a move that parents are none too happy about. A renewed interest by parents in their children's education is one of the best things to come out of the horrible COVID-19 pandemic. More parents are realizing that the ultimate responsibility lies with them, not the school districts or the teachers unions. As public schools become less and less attractive to parents, the school choice movement is skyrocketing to new heights of popularity. 
Though this level of popular support for school choice may be new, the school choice movement has been operating off of the same simple message for decades. If parents are responsible for their children, why should their choice of school be limited by arbitrary geographical boundaries? Communities are trapped in cyclical poverty in part because of failing schools that cannot be saved by large infusions of government dollars. If parents want to give their children the opportunity to break free from living on the wrong side of the tracks, the obvious solution to the problem is to remove the proverbial tracks and let the child attend a school of the parents' choosing. The primary enemy of this common-sense solution is the teachers' unions. For decades, these unions have crowed about not giving up on public schools. However, as far as I'm concerned, America would be much better off giving up on failing schools than on trapped students. School choice lets the best schools rise to the top and brings entire communities up with them. That's the kind of sound policy we need in education. And I applaud the state of Arizona for making a small step toward a day when all parents will be free to make real educational choices for their children. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. The liberal agenda is corrupting classrooms in colleges and schools across the country. If you're a parent, teacher, or administrator who really cares about our children, we promise to keep you informed at phyllisschlafly.com. And let us hear from you at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, today's window, I got about 30 seconds, is simply thank you. Thank you, as always, to Noah uh, Dingley, our producer, Joanna Spilger, associate producer, and also the great uh, The Answer San Diego staff at Salem Radio Network. Uh, We love doing the show. We love having you all listen and appreciate everybody very much. Got to run. Took up too much time with those great interviews, but check them out at ProAmericaReport.com. I'm Ed Martin. I'll be back tomorrow here on the ProAmerica Report. Talk to you then. This is the ProAmerica Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.